Good morning, Every Nation. My name is Brett. It's so good to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me to come and to preach the Word of God. I've really enjoyed getting to know Pastor Greg and just the times that I've connected with your church body, really inspired and impressed by your heart. And I know Pastor Greg's been a good friend and a mentor to me in recent years. And from my interactions with Pastors Matt and Jonathan and others, and from being a part of the LDG nights at times, it's just been so good. I, th- I would say you have a really an amazing church, and you've got really strong leadership that I would say the, the character, the commitment to multiplying disciples, uh, the love for the city, the humility to serve, it's, re- it's really something special. So buy your pastors a Starbucks gift card or something this Christmas and just rejoice in the fact that you're part of a really good family. I've got a wife and two kids and lead City Lights Church and uh, just hope that we have some ch- more chances to interact in the months and years to come. I'd love to pray and then we are going to talk about leadership today. If you want to pray with me. Father, we thank you for the gift of life today. We thank you for the salvation that we have because of Jesus. We thank you that regardless of what our weeks have been like or our life journeys, that you are present to meet us where we're at, that you are gracious, that your mercies are new every morning, and that no matter how far we may have strayed, that you are ready to pick us up. Would you speak to us today through your word? Would you inspire and would your will be done? May your kingdom come in greater measure in our hearts and lives this morning. Amen. Amen. As I said, I want to talk about leadership today. I don't know if you ever find yourself wanting to be the leader of your life. I know I can definitely drift that way. It's kind of fun when we're in control of things, isn't it? When we get to decide what's comfortable for us and how we want something to go and it goes the way that we want. When things are going well, I know I can definitely drift that way. And that's, I think, the way that we all really can drift. We don't want to say that we're all control freaks, but we do like being in control. And I, and I wonder how how do we face that? How do we work through that? We, we can even have a resistance to authority at times, can't we? I remember, I've, I've had that in my heart anyways. I remember in grade eight, I was a part of a small Christian school and they were really trying to make us be disciplined and they didn't want us wearing hats in class. And I had, I wear hats almost every day. I had my favorite hat. It was a blue Charlottetown Hornets hat. And they said, if you know, you have to take your hat off before class starts. If you wear your hat in class, we're going to take it away. Well, one day I forgot to take off my hat. It was my hornet's hat. And they came and they actually took it away. And they said, we're going to take your hat away for the rest of the year. And I did not respond with an honor of authority or a respect. I, I, I responded like I, I, was off- I was offended at the fact that someone may tell me what to do. And I thought, this is, in- this is unjust. This is unfair. You can't take away my hornet's hat for the whole year. And I started, I started, I, I was in shock. I went home and I said, mom, what can I do? I, can I, I don't know, like, can I start a union? Can I go on strike? Can I write letters to the board? Like I, I, so I started to think and stew on this. Like I need to stick it to the man somehow. How dare someone come and tell me what to do in this way? And so one of the ideas I had was my grandpa had a carport with hundreds of hats. I don't know how he had so many hats. He, he collected them, from, I guess, from all over the globe from his entire life or something, but hundreds of hats covering the ceiling of his large carport. And one of my ideas was this. I'm going to make an agreement with my grandpa, and I'm going to wear a different hat 
every time I walk into the classroom. And I'm just going to let them keep on taking hats. They can, they can take all the hats away until they have to get a storage locker for the hats. And they're, they're, they're going to overflow with hats until they give me my hornet's hat back. And I, I didn't end up doing that. But the, that resistance to authority and to leadership popped up in me. I don't know if you've had moments where you could relate to that. We want to be the leaders of our life. And what do we do when Jesus comes and he's inviting us to let him lead our lives? Why should we let Jesus lead our lives when sometimes it can be fun to try and lead our own lives? Today, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about three trees in the Bible that show us Jesus is better. Three different scenes, three trees that show us that Jesus is better. Thinking of leaders, one of the great leaders was King David. Before we dive into the scenes of the trees, I want to talk about our primary text today, which is 2 Samuel 11. If you want to open your Bibles there. And this is the story of David and Bathsheba. David really was one of the great leaders in Israel's story. 2 Samuel 8.15 gives us a bit of the context for David's rule. I'm going to read that verse. So David reigned over all of Israel, and David administered justice and equity to all his people. This was, a, this was a time of paradise for Israel. They had a great king. They, things were going really well for the nation. Now we fast forward to chapter 11, and here we see how the great leader David falls short. David and Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 11. I'm going to read six verses here. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. Pause there. So here's something where David's not leading in the way he necessarily should. When kings go out to battle, he chose not to. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. Verse 2. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is that not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. And she sent and told David, I am pregnant. And if, if you read on in this chapter, we're going to see that we see even a great leader like David falls short. We can fall short in Australian leader lives, and we can put our hope in other leaders where it's going to fall short as well, just even in the great leader like David. If you read on in the story, David brings Uriah the Hittite back, hoping that he will go and be with Bathsheba, but Uriah won't. Uriah wants to go back and be with his other warriors, and David makes a plan up to send Uriah back where he will end up being killed in battle. And so David, the great king, the man after God's own heart, here makes a conspiracy to kill Uriah. And then he takes Bathsheba to be his wife. And in the end, at the end of the chapter, it says this displeases the Lord. And it ends up leading to death. David's child will die. I was thinking about this and, and reading through and realized, you know that Uriah the Hittite, who David's going to have killed here so that he can, that he can make, take matters into his own hands? Uriah is one of David's mighty men. 
In 2 Samuel chapter 23, it talks about the 37 mighty men, and Uriah the Hittite is the last one listed at the end of the chapter. Uriah is not just a faithful soldier for David. He is one of the most mighty warriors in the entire nation. He's in the inner circle of warriors with King David. This is the man that David has killed so that he can take his wife to be his own. That's broken. And it just it's a glimpse that God's word gives us. Look at even a great leader. Look at the, the depth of the and darkness and brokenness of his heart. And sometimes we have those moments too, right? Maybe not in this outlandish or severe of, of a way, but there's moments where suddenly in a time of me being tired, I, I realized with my family or with my wife, like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm still more selfish than I realized. I need help. There's trouble here in paradise, as we see. Now, as I read this, I couldn't help but see David saw Bathsheba, verse 2, and he took Bathsheba, verse 4. He saw and he took. And this reminded me back right to another paradise, right at the start with Adam and Eve. And this is scene number one, the first tree, which is about rebellion. See, just like David saw and took matters into his own hands, Adam and Eve do the same. God created a perfect paradise and a garden. There's the tree of life. There's a river flowing out. And there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they are not, they can eat of any tree except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's what God tells them. Now Genesis 3, 6 says this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit. And ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who is with her, and he ate. She saw, and she took, just like David saw, and he took. And in both cases, the result of their rebellion and unbelief is death. It's a short-lived paradise in both scenarios. Adam and Eve wanted to be their own leaders. David wanted to be the own leader of his life. And in both cases, they end up disobeying God rebelling against his ways, they see and they take matters into their own hands, and it leads to death. I think the same thing just happens over and over again. It happens all through Israel's story with all the kings, just showing, wow, humanity needs divine help. And we can see it in our story as well. Over and over again, we don't believe who God is and what he says, and we see something that seems good, and we take it. We take matters into our own hands. I'll figure out my plans. I'll design my calendar. I'll determine my budget. I want to be the leader of my own life. That can be more comfortable. Just like Adam and Eve, just like David, but in the end, it is not leading us to the life that we actually truly want. We need a better king than David. We need a better leader for our life than ourselves. We need something better. And this is why we pray, God, your kingdom come. We're praying, God, would you come and would you be king? And would you bring your kingdom in your ways in your life? Because we need help. We need something. We need someone better. I don't, when have you needed help in your life? I can think of a variety of examples. One thing that comes to mind when I needed help was when I was on my high school basketball team. I remember I played basketball at lunch hour. One day I'm walking through the halls and two classmates come up to me and they say, hey, you know what? The school hasn't had a basketball program in years and we're going to resurrect the basketball team. And I said, oh, that, that's great. And they said, well, here's the thing. We're, we're seeing you playing at lunch and we want you to join the team because we need more big guys. And they convinced me to join the team. And here's the thing that I didn't necessarily realize until afterwards. I, I think that that, that conversation 
revealed how much we needed help. See, I'm uh, six foot and a half inch. I'm, I'm not even six one. And if I'm going to be one of the big guys on the basketball team, maybe we need some more help. And that's what we realized at our very first game. I grew up in the Sunshine Coast, a small high school. We came over on the ferry to come to the big city of Vancouver for our very first basketball game. They'd gone into storage and they'd pulled out jerseys that I'm sure were from the 80s. Uh, they were peeling. They were mismatched. Some of some of my teammates didn't even have jerseys because there weren't enough they found in storage. They wore pennies for PE class. Now, so we're doing warm-up, and one of the refs come over, and they're talking to the coach, and they say, you know what, you, every player needs a number. So they literally went and got duct tape. They're duct taping numbers onto the back of some of the jerseys and the pennies. And this, this is what I'm realizing. I think we need some help. I look over at the opposing team. And they have matching warm-up jerseys. They've got matching tearaways. Remember when those are awesome? I, it almost seemed like they had matching shoes. They were all white and shiny. But here's what stood out to me. I realized, oh, they actually have big guys, <laughs> like 6'6", six, 6'8". Six, six, and I realized, I think, I think we need some help. We started my very first basketball game. Uh, I think I was, I was in grade 10 at the time. And we get to halftime. They've doubled our score. Um, I don't really want, want to get into it, but it's possible that one player in our team actually got so nervous that they dribbled the wrong way down the court towards the wrong hoop. Uh, that player may have been me, but let's pass that. And so we're, we're at halftime. We're sitting in the locker room. Our coach walks in. We're all not looking at him because we, we're, you know, we're ashamed of this. We're, we, we don't know what we're going to do. We need, we need help. He walks in. He kicks the, one of the lockers. Boom! Echoes through the locker room. Everyone's just like staring at the floor frozen. And then he, I don't know, he said some words that were very uplifting and encouraging and not, not appropriate to repeat here. But one, then he says, everybody, look at Brett. And my heart stops and everybody looks at me and I'm looking over my shoulder. Hopefully there's another Brett. And he says, Brett doesn't know what the blank he's doing, but at least he's trying hard. And I thought, you know, there's a couple ways you could interpret that. You, <laughs> you could focus on the fact that I don't know what I'm doing. Or I could note that of all of the players in the locker room that day, my coach chose to identify my outstanding effort of trying hard. Um, but here's the thing, we, uh, we, needed, we needed help. And in actually, in seriousness, in the ways that you and I need help, trying harder and our efforts fall short. Uh, we need help in deep and significant ways. In starting City Lights, you know, people said, you know, starting a new church is going to be really hard. And I said, that, yeah, yeah, I know that. And I think... Looking back now, I realized I thought that it was going to be really hard, as in I would have to try harder. And I didn't realize that it was going to be hard. It's hard to, to start and love and lead a church in significant ways where trying harder has nothing to do with it. And all of us, we actually need, we need a better coach. We need better help. We need a better king. We need a better leader. That's what we need. We need help. Because left to our own devices, we're going to be just like Adam and Eve and just like King David who see and take at that first tree and it's rebellion. We, we rebel against God. We don't trust him. We take matters into our own hands. And this ends up leading to death. Death in relationships. Death 
um, death on many different levels. We need a better leader, and this takes us to tree number two. Tree number two I want to talk about is the tree of reconciliation. See, Israel is waiting for a rescuing king. They're waiting for another king to come, a king like David, even greater than David. And the the prophets foretell of a great king that will come. Isaiah, in chapter 9, speaks of this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah is longing and foretelling and looking forward to a great king, a better king, a better leader who is going to come. This anointed ruler, or the Hebrews called Messiah, in Greek Christ, was going to come. And those of us who know the story know that this ends up being Jesus. Jesus comes to be the better king, the better David. He comes to be the prince of peace. He actually comes to overcome the death that we've caused right back from our tree of rebellion and to reconcile us back into relationship with the Father. We're created by a God of love for a relationship of love, and we may rebel at our tree. We see and we take. We need a better leader, and that better leader comes, Jesus. Better than David, and at his tree, he comes to reconcile us. See, the first tree brings death to all of humanity, where Jesus at his tree of death is inviting life, inviting us to life, all of us, all of humanity. We need, we need leadership. And as I think about the cross of Jesus, and I think about how he loves us and what he's done for us, I just recall we actually need leadership, that authority is a good thing uh, when, it's, when it's loving. And Jesus is the loving authority. He is the loving king. And how can we trust him? How can we say, yes, I'm going to submit. I'm going to stop seeing and taking. I'm going to allow you to lead me. Because he's proven that he's trustworthy. He's proved it at the cross. He's proved that he is all-powerful in his resurrection. And he is all-loving and that he is the God who's willing to die. Jesus goes to the cross. See, Adam and Eve rebelled the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They were removed from the garden. They were removed from the tree of life. And they, they realize their shame and their nakedness. And then it actually says in Genesis that, so that an animal is killed so that they can have animal skins to clothe their shame. And then animals continue to die at the hands of the priests for sacrifices throughout Israel's story as they would put this, their sin on an animal that would die in their place. As they remembered their need, that we need divine help. And then Jesus comes And he's called the Lamb of God. And Jesus dies at his tree. And through this tree, the tree of death, Jesus, the great king, is going to bring life to us. His life covers our shame. So thinking about authority and leadership in Jesus, this is is what I thought about it. I'm going to look at the whiteboard here for just for a moment. Is that we... We explore God and the idea of God, a God that is, that he's great and he's, and he's good. And he's powerful and he's beyond us. And, and we, think about, we think about ourselves and how we lack or we have fall short. And there's, there's a gap between us and God that we can think about. And I think what we can tend to do at times is that we, we actually want to, we, well, let me put it like this. We struggle to recognize God and his holiness and his glory and his power. 
And sometimes our view of God is too low. We actually lower our view of God. We just lower him. The separation between us and God is, is not that great. And then I think what all of us as humans do, through all these different religions and faith, and even in a secular, in secular world and mentality, is we try to raise ourself to be better. We go, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise myself. That really, that I'm getting better. And we do this through recycling, or some of us recycle, and we feel good about that. And we even compost, and you know, that makes us better, doesn't it? That makes us better than other people. That's, that, it doesn't even have to be religious. It's just the different ways that we feel like we, we're, we're better that we're making ourselves better, uh, you know, that we've been baptized, that we don't do this or we do do that, and suddenly we're getting better, that if we read our Bibles or we pray enough or we don't steal or we don't lie, that we're getting better, that we're closing the gap between us and God because the gap between us and God makes us uncomfortable. The idea that there is an almighty, all-powerful, all-holy God who's amazing and that I'm so separated and it's fall so short, how do I deal with that? And so we either want to lower God and His majesty or we want to raise ourselves up so that we don't feel like we fall short in the same way. And as I think as we mature in Jesus and we think about Jesus being the better king, we realize actually we need a leader, we need a king, we need a God who's going to close that gap. And here's what we do as we grow in knowing God. We actually can grow in recognizing that God is greater and more powerful and he's, he's bigger than we grasp. And as we grow and get to know ourselves and mature in Jesus, we realize, man, our sin is deeper and darker than we even understand. Even King David, his sin was so deep and so dark. The selfish slayer, the gap is big. And here comes King Jesus. And in our rebellion and our doubt that separates us from God, King Jesus comes and he comes fully God, fully human, and he fills the gap. He fills the gap of the second tree, the tree of reconciliation, the tree of the cross, and that the first tree of rebellion where we, don't, where we doubt God. And that pattern continues to King David who sees and who takes. We need a better leader. We need a leader who's not lowering God and not trying to just lift us, but actually closes the gap. To connect God and man. This is what Jesus does. And sometimes I've thought about this and I think, you know, as I as I grow, as I grow in God, it's not that I actually am getting better and better and better. It's actually as I grow in God, I realize that He's actually higher and higher, and I'm actually lower and lower. And then what happens is that brings me to Jesus, the better leader, the better king, the, the better human. That the more the bigger the gap, the bigger the cross, the more glorious and good that Jesus is. And so I just want to encourage us today that God is a great authority. He is a great leader. He is holy. And we do lack. We do need help. More than just my basketball team. Uh, even more than King David, just in terms of his making his wrong choices. Our hearts are dark and deceitful. But Jesus is the great king who comes to reconcile and to fill the gap at his tree of reconciliation. The rebellion at one tree leads to reconciliation at another, the second tree, the tree of the cross, where God gets small to come and save us all. God becoming man in his perfect plan. And our fruit of rebellion, he eats. A fruit this time not so sweet, and yet sweet to us as his death brings death's defeat. Jesus reconciles. He's the better leader and better king that we need. When we lead ourselves, it leads to rebellion. It leads to unbelief. It leads to death. 
What we actually need is a better leader. We need Jesus to lead us. And yet here we are in our world, post-cross, and still the world's broken. There's COVID, there's politics, there's racism, there's so much brokenness. And so we're still crying out, Lord, your kingdom come. We still need you to come. We still need more of your work. We need you to finish what you started, King Jesus. And we're waiting. I don't know how you are at waiting. I think we can wait in anxiety or we can wait in anticipation. And I'm not very good at waiting. I don't know if you go to a grocery store and you do what I do, but I will look at the lineups and I'll suddenly become like Sherlock Holmes analyzing data. That lineup's got three people. That lineup's got five people. She's got three cart, three carts, this, that, that. Oh, there's a bagger of that one. And I'm analyzing self-checkout. So, oh, that person's slow. That one's got a red light. Okay. And so I choose a lineup and I choose a lineup. This one's going to be the fastest. And then I don't know if you ever do this, but because I don't like waiting so much, I'll actually be like in a race with other people at other checkouts thinking, okay, I could have been them, but I'm me. I've chosen the right one. And then there's a price check or something. And I will actually on the inside get a little bit angry. Like how, how could this, how could this happen to impede me controlling the speed at which I want to check out of the grocery store? And then I see the other person who could have been me get out there. And I start thinking that could have been me going. Um, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm an impatient person at times. I need, that, I need God to change you. I'm not great at waiting. And you know what our life is, though? Our life is waiting. We're waiting in the tension that we are after the great work of Jesus at the cross and his reconciliation. But we are still waiting for his kingdom to fully come. We're waiting for an inbreaking of God. We're waiting in the tension. And this leads us to the third tree. Tree number one is rebellion. And that's what David echoes with Bathsheba. Tree number two is reconciliation. The better David, the great King Jesus comes, the leader we really need. And he proves it at the cross in his death and his resurrection. And then tree number three, the tree of rule. See, Jesus will return once again and he will rule. He will be the king that we actually all need, but that we truly want. So let's discuss this third tree. And I, I think that in times we have longings in our life. We're longing for the day that racism ends. We're longing for, we're longing for equality. We're longing for when there's a day there's no more cancer. This, we, we just talk to people even at co in our families or coworkers. There's a sense of the world shouldn't be this way. We want a different world, right? What we're wanting is what Jesus is going to do. He's making all things new. And so let's just look at a scene out of Revelation briefly here as we, as we go to close where one of Jesus' disciples gets a vision and he speaks to what it's going to be like in the end. When Jesus returns, when heaven comes to earth, and when God does his great work, when he comes, when his kingdom fully comes, and he comes to rule and to actually be the great king and leader. Revelation 21 verse 4 and 5 says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Oh, you're just reading that. Isn't that amazing that God's going to make all That's what we need. That's what we want. That's what our world is longing for. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That Jesus is going to come back. That he's going to establish his kingdom fully. And he's going to make all things new. And then we move to Revelation 22, which gives us this picture. And just remember Eden as we read this. 
Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city also. On either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." It's, it's an interesting scene. We think about the garden with the tree of life and a river, and then there's a tree of knowledge. There's these two, two important trees. And now we come back, and Jesus returns, and he's making all things new, and the river of life flows right out from him. And there's, there's this picture. Of, it's a, the language is interesting to know, but it's like talking about two trees, right? One on either side of the river. But one's not a tree with the opportunity for rebellion anymore. Now both are the tree of life. Or, or maybe it's more just that there's, the tree is so big that it grows over both sides of the river. The language isn't clear, but here's the point. There's just the tree of life, and it's got fresh fruit for all of, for all of God's people in his kingdom, for all the nations. It's going to be healing of the nations. It's like he's restored the paradise that was lost, and he's made all things new, and he's bringing heaven to earth, and all that is wrong in our world is healed. And all that is good in our world is perfected. And all the longings that we're wanting, the great leader, the better leader, he's going to bring it to fruition. He's making all things new, including you, including me. It's a call back to Eden, but there's no more rebellion. There's no more tears. There's no more COVID. There's no more cancer. There's no more job loss. There's no more divorce. There's no more miscarriages. There's no more broken hearts. This is our hope. David fell short as, his, as king, and so do our leaders, and so do we. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus covers all of our shortfalls. Jesus fills the gap. Jesus reconciles us to the Father. Jesus is making all things new. And so we wait in the in-between, between the tree of the cross and the tree of life that will be established in the end of the new earth. And we wait, and in our waiting, we are not alone. Jesus says, I am with you by my spirit. John, John 14, John 15, read it. He's not going to leave us as orphans. He's going to come to us by his spirit. And he says that I am the vine. I am the true vine. It's like Jesus is saying, I'm the tree of life. And by my spirit, you can have life right now. But we're still waiting for him to fulfill and make all things new. And he invites us in our waiting to trust him. And that can be difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to recognize our need for help. It's difficult to recognize that we fall short. It's difficult at times. And the people that we put our trust and our hope in when they fall short. I remember 13 years old at a summer camp uh, when I'd say I probably, I tasted the goodness of God for the first time. I remember they were giving this altar call. It was a charismatic summer camp. They're saying, come up to the front and give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Let him be your life leader. Come and put your trust in him. Come and bring all your sin. I remember just sitting there and thinking to myself, actually telling myself, no, I'm good enough. I don't, I don't want to get up in front of these people that makes me feel afraid. I don't want to admit that I, I didn't want to admit that I actually needed help. I said, no, no, I go to church every Sunday. No, like, I, I've been to Sunday school. I'm, I remember gripping the pew, sitting there, actually telling myself, Brett, you're good enough. Brett, you're good enough. Brett, you're good, good enough. Just in the presence of God is overwhelming me so strong with his gracious draw by his spirit. And so I'm just standing up and I walk to the front of the room. 
I just got on my knees. 13-year-old kids started crying out to God, God, I'm sorry. God, I need your help. God, I'm not good enough. And just the truth, I need a better leader of my life than me. That was a journey for, for years of, you know, Jesus watering the seeds that he planted that day. And all of us have our journey, don't we? We have our story, and all of us in our own ways, we still see and we still take. We still doubt God. We still try and drift towards being the leader of our life, and he gently calls us back. Calls us back to him, the true tree of life. We talked about three trees that show us that Jesus is better. The first tree, the tree of rebellion. We don't want to choose that tree where we see and we take, just like Adam, just like David, just like Eve. No, that, that just leads to death. The second tree, the cross, shows us that Jesus is the better leader. He's actually the leader who's willing to die. And all the alternative gods of our world will ask us to give our life up to gain. Where our God actually comes and gives up his life for our gain. Jesus is the king that we want and that we need. And then tree number three, the tree of life. Our great hope. In the end, he's the better leader because he's the only leader that can make all things new. He's the only leader that, can, that fills the gap between us and God. And he's the only leader who's going to make all, all things a new creation. He's the only one qualified to actually be the life leader for us. So today, I don't know what your life looks like or how you're handling COVID or your levels of anxiety. How much you turn to God or how much you see and take. We all live in this tension, the tension of our waiting and us falling short and us trusting. But today, I just believe that God wants to speak to your heart. He wants to be the leader of your life, the leader who actually leads you to life, to the tree of life, which is Jesus himself. Here he is, the true vine. Take and eat, trust. He's the one that fills the gap. He's the one that's making all things new. He's the one that's worthy of our trust, that's trustworthy. He's the one of love. Jesus is the leader we need and that we want, but it's only in us recognizing our need and our weakness that we are postured to receive his strength and healing. And we do this as we repent and we believe. We don't achieve from God, we receive from God. It's his gift of salvation, his gift of forgiveness, his gift of a new identity. We don't achieve a gift, we receive it. All we have to do is unwrap it. And the way that we unwrap God's gift of love and forgiveness and identity and, and, and eternal life is by faith, by believing. He is the leader that we need. He who is fullness emptied himself so that those of us who are empty could be filled. He who is, who is uh, spiritually wealthy in the penthouse came down to the streets so that those of us who are spiritually bankrupt could inherit heavenly inheritance. He who is life faced death so that we who are dead in our sins could receive the life of God. This is the gospel of King Jesus, the better leader, the better David, the better Adam, the better king. Jesus is better. We can, and the three trees speak to why. And we can choose him today. We can fall on his grace today. And he is the one who is leading us to life. And so may we, in your church, in my church, in the church of this city, 
May we be a people who repent and believe. When we place our trust in Jesus, we will allow him to lead us to life and to be our life leader. And as we do that, may we be able to make it overflow out of our life so that we would be lights and life in the midst of our city that desperately needs it. God bless you today. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your love, for your grace. Thank you for Every Nation Church. Thank you for the faithful leadership, for the vision, for the hope, for the faith that's represented all through the households that are engaging right now. Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us faith? Would you help us to be in a fresh awe of Jesus in this season where we remember his coming and we hope for his coming again? Jesus, we love you. We give you worship. We want you to lead our lives. Would you help us? In your name we pray. Amen.